from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome to the Wednesday night edition of the program. The phone number, if you want to join us, feel free, 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. And uh, some of the um, updates that I want to go over today is a few things in the news. Uh, obviously, a lot of people still talking about Trump yesterday uh, and his big win. But there's now growing calls for Nikki Haley to get out of the race. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But there's uh, a big leak coming out of the uh, the Senate on the border policy. And there's a deal that they're proposing where some are saying, according to the initial reports, that the way we've had some of these record-breaking days with 10,000 people a day, 12,000 people, that they're saying, look, we want to normalize this. We want to make it 5,000 people a day. Wow, that's crazy. I'm going to get into that a little bit. I mean, I think that's absolutely insane that the uh, Senate Republicans uh, are not going to fight tooth and nail to, to stop this. I mean, it's got, it's got to be stopped. You can't put together a deal to control the border. But again, that would make all the sense in the world. That's the way Democrats work, right? It's exactly how they work. It's a perfect example. Flood everything like uh, Francis uh, Fox Pivens and Richard Cloward, her husband, would say, you know, break the system, use the system to destroy the system. And once it's overwhelmed, then you say, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you guys are used to, you know, uh, something a little more normal. But let's let's, you know, since you're going through a crisis right now, we can give you half the crisis and you're going to think it's an improvement. It's going to be great. Right? This is the fundamentals of, of communism. That's right. Everybody's going to be the same. Everybody's going to be equal. Everybody's going to be broke the same way. That's how it is. You uh, you spread the misery around. Unbelievable. So that's what's going on there. I want to jump into that as well in a little bit. But I also want to get into the reaction, right? Because there was a reaction. And it was a reaction to what uh, President Trump had to say last night. And as you know, uh, CNN and MSNBC, they cut in. And uh, didn't really let Trump uh, give his speech. And again, he doesn't have a right to any airwaves. He doesn't have a right to have his speech carried in its entirety. But it was news, right? We are having a presidential election. It is 2024. The elections are happening right now. We have primary elections going on for the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. Uh, We just happened to have one last night in New Hampshire. And the candidate that won with, uh, I think he, again, another historic win, um, getting more votes than, than somebody's gotten before, is Donald Trump. Not that he came in first place. He's the winner. He won it. That's news. Now, they have the right uh, to, to editorialize. They have the right to say, okay, you know what? Trump won. Next. And in other news, Joe Biden won. They can do that. But what you can't do, or what you shouldn't do, is say we're going to go and we're going to carry what Nikki Haley has to say when her her uh, 
supporters are yelling, Trump's a loser in the background, right? That they're going to allow. But when Trump comes down, he starts talking, they're going to cut away, lower the volume on him and, you know, talk over him and say, there you have the 45th president. So they can say that they showed it and go to their reporter on the ground to give his report and always make this uh, constant attack on Trump that, oh, we don't know if what he's saying is truthful. And uh, I mean, this is a standard that's never been applied to anybody under the sun. Did you do you think they did that to Adolf Hitler when they played uh, uh, Hitler and different speeches that he'd given through the years? Do you think they said, we don't know if he's telling the truth? Do you think they do that when when any of these crazies from uh, Hamas or these any of these any of these uh, terrorist organizations, when they make a statement, when the Ayatollah uh, and uh, any of the politicians that open their session of parliament in Iran shouting death to America and. When they do that and then they come out and say, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And uh, another woman gets killed because she didn't write, wear her hijab right. And they give a comment on that. Are any of these journalists saying anything about that? Saying, no, these guys aren't legit. Uh, these guys are not telling the truth. These people kill women. These people kill gays. No, nobody's saying that. There's only, this standard is only applied to one person, and it's Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States. I got to tell you, this is just, uh, I don't know, let's use the different adjectives that we have here. Shocking, remarkable, insane, all of the above. It just, it really is, uh, I'm disappointed, I'm not surprised, I know how they roll, but they become more brazen and more brash every single time. You would think at some point... They would have to say, well, it appears to me, folks, that despite my view, despite the view of my colleagues, despite anybody, uh, you know, that I know that hates Trump, looks like somebody out there likes Trump. And it's evidenced by these things called polls. Now, not all polls are right. I, I, you know, um, I, I'm not easily swayed by polls, or as my mom would say, yo no me llevo por los polls, right? Uh, la encuesta esa. I, I don't. I do not get uh, easily swayed by any of these things. But you look at them and you start to see a trend. You see a pattern. Most people want Trump. Even Democrats want Trump. So, again, it's just um, one of those things. Makes you, you know, it's a little bit of a hat scratcher. Makes you go, hmm. And I want you to hear a clip. I've got a clip here that I want to play for you. From one of my favorites, Joy Ann Reed. Now, Joy Reed was at the uh, studio doing her show uh, last night. And let me see where to go. Oh, there it is. I scrolled past it um, th tonight. Excuse me. And the uh, or I think it was last night. Yeah, I was right. She's saying that he that Biden is the winner tonight. But the clip is from last night. And. She's saying that this is not a good sign for Trump. Now, I, I talked about this last night, what she's going to mention here. Um, this this is not something that is going to be a concern. And you're going to see why. But listen to this. If New Hampshire is the avatar for what independent voters want and would choose, uh, you know, given the option, given the fact that anyone could play mm -hmm. in that independent side, uh, Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump among independents by something like 40, for, you know, 40 percentage points. That is not a good sign for a sitting former, a former president of the United States who, again, wants to be seen as president. Yes, he will beat her in South Carolina. But let's not forget that one of the things that Joe Biden did was to remake the calendar such that he was not on the ballot in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. still mopped up Dean Phillips in New Hampshire when he wasn't even on the ballot as a write-in candidate. Yes, Donald Trump will likely win South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. Joe Biden might win it by more mm -hmm. because that state is built 
for Joe Biden, just like on the Republican side, it's built for Donald Trump. So tonight, the winner, if you want to look at all of the metrics for a general election, the winner tonight is Joe Biden, mm -hmm. who won in New Hampshire decisively as a write-in, who is going to win decisively in South Carolina. And the story that Donald Trump thinks he's going to get out of South Carolina, Joe Biden will get one of equal value to him. Uh, and in the end, he's got a better story to tell in November because he's not facing 91 criminal counts. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's exactly the silver lining that's here. Now, I should have stopped it along the way to argue with her, but I wanted you to hear it in its entirety. So the first thing she says is that Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump uh, amongst independents by something like 40 percentage points. Now, this is, I don't know what poll she may be referencing here, but I can tell you that the election already happened and, and she didn't beat anybody. Uh, now, if they're trying to say that uh, the percentage of independents that she got versus what Trump got, again, this is a, a, a very interesting primary where Democrats are allowed to participate. And she didn't win, right? She didn't win. And I think, I don't know how many more ways that we could say that she didn't win. Uh, it's clear to me that she didn't win, right? Trump won. So to say that she won in, in this category, she did that. No, no. Trump won. Trump got 50 something percent more votes than anybody else has gotten. Now, the point that she makes about one state being one way and another being another way, um, I'll bite on that. And I'll say, I think Trump wins it there, too. And I think Trump wins it again in November. I don't think Biden has a chance. I, I think Biden might do better if he was facing 91 felony counts. But he's not. Trump is. And he looks like a martyr. And Biden did it. And that's exactly why Trump's winning. What up in the hill? Anyway, we'll get to that and more straight ahead. We're going to get... Uh, with Matt Schlapp, he's going to weigh in on uh, all of this stuff and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Let me just say I'm not going to spend too much time on Donald Trump's uh, cognitive disorders, but I, what I am going to say, and I want to, in friendship, say to Chris he tried to say that Nikki Haley did not allow the National Guard to come, but it was Nancy Pelosi. It wasn't nobody. It was Joe. It was Donald Trump. He knows and you know that Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer and I begged for hours for the National Guard to come. He knows that we don't have the party to bring the National Guard. The president does. Sad to say for the District of Columbia, because every other state, the governor has that power. So that, of course, uh, amigos, is Nancy Pelosi on uh, America's least favorite network, MSNBC, talking about what she says is Trump's cognitive decline. Right. Saying that uh, he got mixed up with uh, with her and Nikki Haley. And, and then she goes ahead and mixes things up herself. And I, I find this really rich because Nancy Pelosi oftentimes uh, she's like Joe Biden in many ways, doesn't always know if she's going or coming. But 
she does know how to pull her next political scheme. It's kind of like muscle memory for these uh, octogenarians in the swamp. But I want to delve into what she's talking about a little bit here because she's she's trashing Trump, talking about Nikki Haley. And, of course, Nikki Haley um, did not pull off the big, stunning, upset victory that the Drudge Report and that uh, her and all of her supporters thought that she was going to pull off last night. And I'm wondering how much more gas is in her tank to figure that out. I want to get with somebody who used to work in the White House. And now he runs uh, the premier conservative organization in America, let alone possibly the world. Uh, CPAC, which is part of the American Conservative Union, Chairman Matt Schlapp is with us. Matt Schlapp, welcome back, sir. Hey, Rich. Great to be with you again. Yes, sir. So Nancy Pelosi's bugging out over here. She's saying all sorts of things <laughs> about, about Trump. And, and uh, I mean, I just look at the numbers as they're coming in, and it looks like Trump won last night and, like, she didn't. And I find it very interesting that uh, the media is trying to spin this the way they did when uh, Trump's got all these, you know, record number of votes and whatnot. What's going on here, Matt Schlapp? It was record turnout in New Hampshire, and he's the first person in history uh, who's, who's not a sitting president to win Iowa and New Hampshire. And then, you know, with the exclamation point that he won him by double digits. And, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi uh, is amazing. Um, she... Uh, totally had a spin on January 6th. It's her fault that there wasn't the proper security at the Capitol. Donald Trump wanted to send more security to the Capitol. She didn't want it. The Capitol Hill cops were at 50% strength that day, and they knew it going into that day, and they didn't seem to care or want to do anything to solve that problem. And, of course, we now know that there was a lot of federal agents um, in the crowd, which seemed like a desire to just take thousands of conservative Trump supporters and uh, ruin their lives. And I think the J6 episode of our history is disgraceful. We're going to talk a lot about it at CPAC. We're going to have some of these families there, some of the victims of this uh, prosecution by persecution. And, you know, she's, she's really the author of all of that. And, you know, the one thing you learn about these Marxists, these leftists is, Everything they accuse us of is what they believe. They accuse us of being election deniers. They're the ones who said Donald Trump wasn't a legitimate president. They uh, accuse us of uh, being violent in our protests, but it's, they're the ones who did the largest property damage in the history of the country with the BLM protests where the president had to be escorted, chased into the uh, bunker of the White House because they almost breached the gate. They were there the other day with those evil Hamas, hateful people. Uh, so anyway, I think the American people are waking up to it, Rich. Well, I would hope so. And to me, it seems like that's evident when we look at what's happening in these uh, elections, or at least the uh, Iowa caucuses, the uh, New Hampshire primary. I, I, it seems to me, Matt Schlapp, like they're they're trying to sell a, a narrative here, the narrative that Trump is... is um, uh, there's no way he can win. I mean, I'm just looking at what I see. I, I look at the Drudge Report. I look at the Bongino Report. I look at all sorts of things throughout the day. And as I'm looking at the Drudge Report earlier yesterday, it said, will he even hit 50%? And I thought to myself, who cares, right? <laughs> he could win this thing at 35 like he did in 2016. And he became president after that. So it, it doesn't really matter if you hit 50%. But the way that they create this narrative to try and sell it to people so that if, let's just say, he would have come in at 48 or 49 or 47, they could say, oh, he didn't even hit 50%. This wasn't really a decisive victory and blah, blah, blah. And, and 
And I get it. This is what they do. It, it seems to be what they've morphed into. Uh, I just wonder, does it ever end? Uh, if if Trump is not around, do they stop or they do it to the next guy? I have a feeling like this is the new politics as usual. We don't talk about policy. We just attack. Well, he said it to Mike Pence when he was his vice president. He said, you know, Mike, they come after you just as hard as they're coming after me. Um, he said the other day in his acceptance speech or victory speech, I guess you call it, there in New Hampshire, that, you know, if Nikki Haley were to get the uh, nomination, they'd, they'd be prosecuting her. It's just a new tactic. It's really not a Donald Trump hatred tactic. It's going after all Republicans. And, and I'll remind you, you know, I was a history major, Rich, and they have gone after every national Republican for ethics violations and other serious charges since Richard Nixon was vice president. They always pull this card. It's always about investigations. It's always about using uh, the prosecution power corruptly and shaming a Republican into resigning or accepting a special counsel, et cetera, et cetera. And most of their guys don't go through all of that. And this is, uh, this is what they do. Now they're taking it to new heights with Trump and they know, let's be clear. They know there's only one way they beat this man. They got to get him off the ballot in some of these battleground States. And that's their goal. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party long ago left the idea of being civil libertarian and liberal and just wanting more spending. They are now uh, plotting a coup in this country to override the constitutional order. They don't really believe in the Constitution any, anymore anyway. Maybe freedom of the press. That's about it. And, um, and it's, it's really a sad thing because, you know, a lot, I had a lot of Democrats in my family. I still do. And, you know, I always said that they believe in a little more spending and a little less constitution, which I don't think is good, but it's not evil. And uh, this party is unrecognizable to that party. The party of your grandfather, who might have been an immigrant or a working class person, um, this is not this Democratic Party. Think about Joe Biden running mm -hmm. for reelection on not one single regulation on abortion, abortion for, for sex selection abortion for birth control, abortion until the last day of your pregnancy, for whatever reason you want, make the taxpayers pay for it. Uh, this guy ran as a pro-life Senate candidate in, in Delaware when he first ran, um, and now he's morphed into this radicalized guy. And like I said, I think America's waking up to it. It's further to the left than Obama was, that's for sure. Matt Schlapp is chairman of the American Conservative Union. And Matt Schlapp, stick with us. I want to talk a little bit, uh, spend a couple of minutes on CPAC. It's coming up, and I want everybody to know about it. Don't go anywhere, America. We're coming right back. Rich Valdez and our guest, Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Don't go anywhere. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. And we're on with Matt Schlapp. He is chairman of the American Conservative Union. They put on the annual uh, Conservative Political Action Conference every year, CPAC. Uh, I recommend not missing it. Uh, I've, I've been there a number of times. It's always a good time. Matt Schlapp, Tell us about CPAC this year. Well, you know, we're going to do something a little bit different. First of all, I think it's all about the presidential race in America, and the whole world is watching what happens in America. But a part of that is is we have, you know, about a dozen uh, delegations from different countries around the world coming in the day before CPAC. We're going to have an international uh, conference talking about all these great political victories that are happening around uh, the globe, not just with politicians, but also on issues that are important. And we're going to, you know, compare notes about what's working in these dis- different countries. And all of them want to compare notes with the Americans because uh, they all know that if Donald Trump doesn't get reelected to the presidency, you know, freedom is doomed. You know, maybe not forever, but it sure kind of feels that way. I think this is just this is a critical moment. So we're going to spend a lot, a lot of time talking about that. We're going to talk about the weaponized. Uh, deep state, which has resulted in not only J6, but, you know, the political prosecution of a lot of people on this in this country for a lot of different reasons. We're going to talk about highlighting heroes in our communities, teachers, coaches, parents standing up against uh, the woke idiocy in schools and in corporations. Um, you'd be proud to know I don't think there's any corporate sponsors. I don't think there's any corporations hardly that make the cut anymore. Uh, it'll be entrepreneurs talking on the stage, uh, hometown heroes, a couple of couple of elected officials, probably less this year than we've had in years past. And uh, we got some really exciting out-of-the-box speakers this year, which will be, uh, we'll be making public over the course of the next couple of days. Outstanding. Now, Matt Schlapp, is conservative.org the, the, the place for people to go, or is there a better website for them to secure yeah. their tickets and attend? Yeah, they can go to CPAC, CPAC.org, conservative.org, either one, and uh, get their tickets. You know, the general election tickets, uh, we did it a little different. We did it like a concert. So the sooner you buy your ticket, the cheaper it is. And the oh, longer nice. you wait, like me, and procrastinate, you're going to pay more for them. So move fast. <laughs> yeah, folks, go to CPAC.org, get your tickets. I can tell you, I've been there a number of times. I brought my kids uh, one year, uh, actually two years, and uh, they keep asking to go back. Uh, they, it's weird because they were both teenagers at the time, two little girls, and they had a great time. And I can tell you, Matt Schlapp, from just meeting people and seeing people while I've been there, uh, the work that you're doing, not only with this CPAC, but with CPAC Brazil, with CPAC Hungary, with CPAC Korea, uh, it, it's an outstanding job to move the conservative message forward Godspeed to you. You're doing a great job. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, sir. God bless you, Richard. Thanks for having me on. You bet. 
All right, folks, we continue. And uh, Matt Schlapp, he's, he's a gentleman and a scholar. Jake Tapper, not so much. <laughs> Jake Tapper was on CNN yesterday, and he uh, had some comments about Trump's speech. He says Trump is angry that Haley's still in the race. Listen to this. Uh, and Aaron, I think, you know, one of the things that's uh, interesting about uh, Donald Trump's performance this evening is he's mad. He's angry. That was not a celebratory Trump. He's angry that Nikki Haley is still in the race. Right. He was insulting her. He was insulting voters of New Hampshire. He was insulting the, the process uh, of the primary system there, which has been going on for, you know, back. It was going the same way back when Donald Trump was a Democrat. Uh, he went after the governor. Um, this is not gracious Donald Trump. I'm no. going to be the nominee. Come, let us all come together and heal. This is I am furious. Where's my hype man to, to do even right. more attacks? <laughs> Where's my? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, if you're listening, I know you're not. But if you are, Jake Tapper, if one of Jake Tapper's producers could uh, could say, hey, this guy Valdez was blowing hot air about you last night. All I could say is this. Listen, man, that's what a campaign is, right? A political campaign is that. You're, you're going to look for your hype men. They're called surrogates, right? Campaign surrogates, they have them. Everybody has them. Trump maybe has a little... Uh, a little bit more than everybody else because he's been around the block. You know, he was a president already. And this is a unique situation. But come on. I mean, really, Trump, let him be angry. And, if, and I didn't think he was angry. I think he was just uh, he felt a little sharp. Right. He was like, wow, hold on. I thought I just won this thing. And this woman came out here doing a little victory lap. I saw it, too. And I thought, wow, you know, usually um, they go ahead and they, they let you concede and say, OK, or whatever. And in these cases, you know, everybody's going to try and put themselves in their best light. I get it. But um, it was clear that this was um, a, a very clear victory. And because of the fact that there were Democrats and independents that were able to vote in the Republican primary, it made the Haley campaign look competitive. I don't believe that it is competitive. And that's because I believe that the Republican Party was on life support when Donald Trump ran in 2016. Barack Obama had done an amazing job at destroying whatever was left of conservatives. Point blank. And again, it's not that he had this massive power over people. He had massive power through the presidency. And when you have this power, a lot of people lose heart. And we see it now. We see different congressmen left and right just saying, you know what? I'm not running again. I'm not running again. I'm Because they don't want the fight. They don't want the smoke. Some people were, were, were happy to, uh, to be in Congress as long as they didn't have to work that hard. They just had to get reelected every couple of years. No longer the case. You know, Trump brought some real issues to the table, woke up a bunch of people that didn't even like politics, and now they love politics. Or I should say, woke up a bunch of people that didn't like politics, they, and now they hate politics, but they won't let go. Right. Because I think if you talk to the average Trump supporter, uh, I don't think I'm the average Trump supporter. I think I'm a conservative um, that supports uh, conservative candidates. And Trump happens to embody a lot of conservative principles in his policies. They make sense. They align with me. Not all of them, but most. Right. And of course, people hear that and they want to come at me right away. Oh, because he was uh, accused of rape 19 times and because of this. Obviously, that's not what I'm talking about. And obviously, he there was never charged any of those things. The, the bottom line of what I'm talking about here is he made the most sense for me. But when I speak to Trump supporters, if you go to a Trump event, a Trump rally, you see these people that they look like they're at the Super Bowl, right? They've got the Trump hat, the Trump T-shirt. They've got Trump everywhere. They just absolutely love it. And I, I love Trump. I think he's terrific. 
But they're so fanatical. And the reason why is because he actually pulled them out of a slumber. They didn't see what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. They were busy watching the NFL, watching the NBA, saying, ah, politics is all the same. Crook A and Crook B, the red team, the blue team, it's all the same. They're a bunch of crooks. They send your money overseas and our veterans are home and they're dying. Trump's the first guy ever to become president to actually address some of these issues and say, we're not doing that anymore. Let's not fund NATO. Let's not fund the U.N. Let's not do this. And people are like, what are you talking about? What are you, crazy? And he was like, yeah, call me crazy. I'll go shake hands with little rocket man after beating him up on Twitter, tell him to slow down the rockets. He, he was very unconventional and people loved it because at the end of the day, most people are unconventional. Unconventional also means common sense, right? You leave the pomp and circumstance uh, of your perfectly coiffed hair and your political suit and your little flag pin. And listen, I wear a flag pin too. I'm not making fun of the flag pin. I'm just saying there are some people that will say, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. And then there's some people that roll up their sleeves and they go, oh, you want to get gutter? Let's go. <laughs> Trump's one of those guys. And I relate with that. And I think a lot of people relate to that. And that's why he's so popular. Anyway, straight ahead, we're going to hear from Nikki Haley uh, at an event uh, kicking off her South Carolina campaign. And um, you'll hear what she has to say straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. commentary in your analysis than there is on the news network america at night with rich valdez all right america welcome back and nikki haley was at an event today in uh, north charleston south carolina kicking off her primary campaign in her home state and she reacted to trump's what she called a temper tantrum last night in new hampshire listening to this so we got out there and we did our thing and we said what we had to say. And then Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he pitched a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened. And he should feel threatened without a doubt. Now, listen. I know she's got to say what she's got to say to say to remain competitive in this race. But to say that Trump is threatened, I don't know if that's the right uh, thing. I don't think it, anybody's buying it. I mean, the three ladies in the back of her audience screaming and squealing, you know, I, I think she should probably hit him on policy that that she might have a wedge issue on, you know, whether it, whatever it is, you know, um, I think if, if she were if I were her running against Trump, I'd find the issue that people in the base take exception to Trump with, right? Maybe it's vaccines. Maybe it's Operation Warp Speed. Um, maybe it was not firing Anthony Fauci. That's what DeSantis was doing. That's what I would do. Now, listen, I'm not going to give tips to, uh, to Nikki Haley's campaign. Uh, she could figure that out on her own. But I just feel like, what is she doing by saying he, he, he uh, pitched a fit? 
Who cares about that, really? I mean, is there a large number? And I guess that's really the question. I mean, if you guys want to weigh in on the phone, you can. 833-482-5337. Let me know your thoughts on this. Is it really an issue for most people uh, that that Trump uh, is is um, this way? I think we got past that. That's why I'm asking. I don't think that's an issue anymore. I don't think people are complaining about the mean tweets anymore. I think pretty much everybody's at the point where they're like, no, 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 we like mean tweets. We love them. Mean tweets are fantastic. Best tweets ever, right? But nobody's, um, I don't hear everybody complaining about that. I hear people cl- complaining about the economy. So I don't see how her trying to out-Trump Trump, right, to have more bravado than Trump. Ah, I mean, even trying to have more bravado than Chris Christie. Good luck. You're not going to do it, right? I think you have to assess your opponent. And, and you know, she comes across as polished, as sharp, as, um, as you know, the, having experience of being a governor, having experience of being a uh, U.N. ambassador. Uh, I think she should, she should focus on her strengths and really try to draw contrast. But trying to, to poke the bear, I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's not going to work. I don't even think she's even going to be able to raise money on it. It doesn't make that much sense to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But she went on. Uh, she had a little bit more to say at this event. She says Donald Trump seems to have mistaken her for someone else in recent days. Now she's taking shots at uh, the uh, the comments that he made uh, where um, he, he said Nikki. Um, and I, I confused her the same day, honestly, on the radio. And so did one of my callers. So uh, I, I, it's not that that hard to understand. People do misspeak. But listen to this one. Because a few days ago, he was going on and on about me. I mean, for a while. On and on about why I didn't send in security to the Capitol on January 6th. He said it over and over and over and over again. I mean, somebody's got to tell him I wasn't there on January 6th. I've never been at the Capitol working in a job like that. But I think he was a bit confused. And so we'll let that pass. Now, of course, this is Nikki Haley and... This one, a little better, right? There, at least there was a little humor, and she wasn't trying to outsmart Trump. Uh, she found a chink in the armor. She found somewhere where he misspoke, so she tried to capitalize on that. That part, no problemo. But when you're trying to, to seem like you're bigger, tougher, badder, whatever, uh, I don't think it's going to work. Now, we got one more clip from her uh, at this same event, and uh, she attacks Trump one more time. And again, you're wondering, why am I playing? Well, we have to give Nikki Haley a chance. Um, She may not have the um, availability to come on the program, but um, we can play the audio and uh, give her her opportunity. I try to be fair. I always play what the Democrats have to say. I play what uh, uh, Trump's opponents have to say. I play what Trump has to say uh, so that everybody can hear what's going on and you can make your own assessment along with, you know, my opinion on this stuff. Check this one out. He didn't talk about the American people once. He talked about revenge. He didn't talk about the fact that we've got an economy in shambles and an inflation that's un- out of control. He didn't talk about the fact that we only have 31% of eighth graders in our country who are proficient in reading. He didn't talk about what we were going to do to get the lawlessness on the border under control. He didn't talk about what we were going to do to bring law and order back to our country. He didn't talk about what he was going to do to help all the wars that we're in and to keep us from going to war. He didn't talk about any of that. Now, what's interesting here is I don't even think she believes that, right? I, I think 
why is it that Trump won last night? Was it because he was talking about uh, revenge or was it because he was talking about justice? And he responded to all this with some choice words of his own. We're going to get to that straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So President Trump was in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire last night and giving his acceptance speech and, you know, sounding off on whoever he needed to. Um, Many were critical, saying he didn't sound like a uniter. He didn't sound like uh, very presidential. He didn't sound this. He didn't sound. But you know what he sounded like to me? Like a winner because he won. (laughs) And that's the part people keep, you know, burying the lead here. And Trump says you can't let people get away with it. Listen to this. We'll head out to South Carolina, where I think we're going to win easily. I think we're 50 points up, 5-0. 5-0, 50 points up on a person that was governor. That tells you something. But I felt I should do this because I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit. Okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week, but he was much more angry about it than I was. I said, get up there and you let him know. We are going to win this. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. I do. I believe our country is finished. We have an opportunity to do something so amazing. And the good news and the reason we have such support, the best numbers I've ever had, the reason we have support is because they are so bad at what they're doing and so evil and they're destroying our country. Destroying the country is right. And this is this is, I think, the key. He says it best here. They're so bad at what they're doing. And what they're doing is persecuting him. Right. You've got a guy running for president that's in a different courtroom every other day, defending himself, spending money on on his legal defense, uh, being there, having to to participate in the media frenzy that is each one of those trials. Right. Every time there's one of these trials or hearings, there is an accompanying courthouse steps response. Right. That has to be thought out. That has to be you know discussed with the attorneys. This is all time, energy and money. I know people think Trump is just shooting from the hip. I'm pretty sure it's something more like, well, sir, we advise that you don't say anything, whatever. And he goes, ah, come on. I'm going to say this. And they go, no, don't say that. But you could say this and just go up to this line. Don't say any more. All right, you got it. Right? And then he goes and he does his thing. And he does what he does best, which is deliver messages and troll the media and troll his, uh, his adversaries. This is the key for Trump. This is what he does uh, better than anyone. So kind of like over the weekend that people were asking him, hey, who are you picking for your vice president? And his response to um, I think it was Brooke Singman, um, a reporter for Fox, 
she uh, asked him this, and he, his response was, well, we've got Vivek, and we've got Carrie Lake, and we've got Ben Carson. He, he listed a bunch of names. He said, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't made any choices yet. And I believe that's probably true. I think he's actively auditioning people. Anyway, I want to talk about something that's coming up this weekend. Um, and since we're not live on Saturdays, I wanted to cover it tonight. It's called Holocaust Remembrance Day. We're going to talk about that and more straight ahead. If you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Don't go anywhere. It's me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you uh, this Wednesday night. Our telephone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, it's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I'm keeping you company straight till 1 a.m. Eastern time. This is the second hour of the program. Of course, the third hour, next hour, um, we do open phones across America where you get to call in and weigh in on all the topics that we talked about tonight, as well as any topic you want to bring to the table. Uh, it's a free-for-all on the phone, so feel free to call in for open phone America. But right now, I want to give you a couple of uh, updates on what's going on in America at night. And... Uh, there are calls for Nikki Haley to drop out of the race. They're beginning to grow. And uh, I understand why. But I say let her stay in there as long as she needs to, right? Uh, this is the defining moment for her. She can be a Ramaswamy. She can be a DeSantis, right? She can be a Larry Elder. She can be many of these people that said, look, I've got ideas. I want to contribute to this race and, and to this conversation, this national discourse for our country. But seems the only thing that she's doing is what Chris Christie did. Attack Trump, attack Trump, attack Trump. Now, that may be part of the national conversation that we have in the media every day. But when it comes to running for president, I think people are looking for more substance. The sizzle isn't enough. They want the steak. And I don't hear her saying anything. She's got a couple of good catch lines, that, you know, like uh, Donald Trump's great at breaking things, but we need people who can fix something. Great. That's a great opener. How follow that up and say, you know, here's what I can do that he can't. Or here's what I can do that... Uh, better than he can do. I don't hear any of that coming out of Nikki Haley. So obviously a lot of people uh, on the Republican side of the aisle are uh, saying, you know what, we've had enough of Nikki Haley. And there's also this leaked border uh, deal that is coming out of the Senate. It's a horrible looking deal. I'll give you as many details as I have that have been publicly reported. And I, I got to tell you, this is ugly stuff, ugly stuff. Uh, you're talking about the border. And they're saying, you know, 10, 12,000 uh, illegal immigrants crossing the border every day. Well, here the deal they want to make, listen to this, 
Let's go at 5,000 a day. That makes it feel just a little bit better. I think that's kind of crazy. And then we've got uh, former Admiral John Kirby's at the White House press briefing today. And he says if Iran is worried about escalation, then they should cut off their support of Hamas. Listen to Admiral Kirby. Check this out. Foreign Minister told ABC News yesterday that he believes the risks of a wider war in the region is going up. He's blaming the U.S. for it, says that if the U.S. stopped providing aid, then Netanyahu wouldn't survive for 10 minutes. Wanted to get your reaction on that. If if the Iranian uh, government is uh, concerned about escalation, then the best thing they could do would be to cut off the support that they give to groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, and these Iran-backed militia groups in Iraq and Syria. We don't want to see the uh, the conflict escalate. We don't want to see some broader war. We're not looking for a war or a conflict with anybody. Well, there you go. Uh, That's John Kirby saying um, a whole lot of nothing, right? Obviously, Iran knows if if they don't want escalation, then they should, you know, don't start none and there won't be none, right? That's the old saying on the street. That's clear. The only thing that Iran or any other bully is going to understand is actual force and action. You can't have these empty threats, what they call a paper tiger. You can't be a paper tiger like Joe Biden, but that's what he is. Lamentably, you've got to be a little bit more like, I think, Netanyahu, right? Netanyahu says, oh, we're going to destroy them. And, and he goes in and he destroys. And that's exactly, you have to be a man of your word. That's the only way I feel that, that you'll be respected, especially in that region of the world. It's very... Um, It's all about power. And Biden doesn't come across as if he has any. Now, speaking of Hamas and and Israel, the um, Holocaust Remembrance Day, International Holocaust Remembrance Day is uh, this this weekend. And I wanted to uh, spend some time today to talk about some of that history, uh, because it's it's important. I think that we understand what what actually happened um, back then. And who better than an actual historian uh, who's written a book on this uh, and other topics, Dr. Rainier Zettelman. He's the author of Unbreakable Spirit, Rising Above All Odds. He's a a German historian, a sociologist, and he's had multiple bestsellers. His books include In Defense of Capitalism and Hitler's National Socialism. Dr. Zettelman, welcome. Hello. Outstanding. So tell us uh, the impetus for this latest book. Yes, there are, as you mentioned, there are several books. Uh, One book is In Defense of Capitalism. And um, I wrote this book because I see that capitalism is under attack all around the world today. It's in Europe. It's in Asia. It's in Latin America. It's also in the United States under attack. And I don't know whether you heard about this great speech from the new Argentinian president, uh, Javier Millet in Davos. Have you heard about his his speech? Right. And And what what he said, maybe maybe I will give you, I have here a quote from, from you. He warned the Western world. He said the Western world is under threat. There's a danger of socialism. And then... He continued, and maybe I I read only a few sentences what he said, because this is very important. What he said, I know that to many it may sound ridiculous to suggest that the West has turned to socialism, but it's not, but it's only ridiculous if you only limit yourself to the traditional economic definition of socialism, which says 
that it's an economic system where the state owns the means of production. This definition, in my way, should be updated in the light of current circumstances. Today, states don't need to directly control the means of production to control every aspect of the lives of individuals. With tools such as printing money, debt, subsidies, controlling the interest rates, price controls and regulations to correct the so-called market failures, they can control the lives and fates of millions of individuals. And I think this is very important to understand because the old-fashioned time, uh, a kind of socialism, as we had it in the Soviet Union, for example, they nationalized everything and everything was owned by the state. Today, we have a new kind of socialism where people, it seems that they own their private property, but they are not allowed to do what they want to do with this. But the state tells them, for example, what, car, what kind of cars they are allowed to produce. We have it here in Europe. They forbid now the combustion engines, what will destroy the German automobile industry, as an example. So they tell the entrepreneurs what they are allowed to do and what, and what not. And this is a different kind of socialism, but uh, this is what happens now all around the world. And I think also it's the danger in the United States. You know, uh, Dr. Rainier Zeidelman, I, I can't agree with you anymore. This is uh, so spot on. You're, you're talking about how they have uh, forbidden the combustion engine in Germany, and you're calling us from Germany this evening. And this is something that is uh, under heavy debate right now in the United States, that you, you've talked about price controls. This is presented on a daily basis in a very um, endearing way to ingratiate themselves with the public. They'll say things like, the cost of this medicine or that medicine is skyrocketing. We need the government to put in a price control. And whenever I hear that, I, I always think to myself, this is a soft um, approach, a, a soft launch of socialism in the United States. And, and, and even with a fascistic bent to it, because it's, it's a government in cahoots with private industry in one way or another, whether not necessarily the pharmaceutical industry in that case, but with somebody to, to, to force the hand of the free market. And I see it happening and I don't like it at all. And so I appreciate the warning and the admonition that you're putting forth in this book, um, Unbreakable Spirit, Rising Above All Odds. But ultimately, I, I don't know that we're able to, um, to sound the alarm loud enough. What's your take from way across uh, the world in Germany? Uh, do you think that there is a um, a shot at saving the United States from socialism? Um, it's hard to say. Of course, I hope so. But um, what you mentioned with the price controls, you know, it it's never worked out in history. This is the, the problem. Mm -hmm. People don't know anything about history. It never worked. And people don't understand uh, what's the real difference between a planned economy on the one hand and a free market economy on the other hand? I will explain it in very easy words. Capitalism, it's a form of democracy in the economy. That means entrepreneurs decide what to produce, how much to charge for it. But in the end, consumers decide. Every day, we all consumers decide, for example, whether someone as Jeff Bezos become rich or not. When you, when you use Emerson, for example, you make him rich, but it's your decision of everyone. And in the planned economy, politicians decide what to produce or what prices to charge because 
They think, and this is a great problem, they think that politicians are smarter than all all of the people, and they are smarter than entrepreneurs, that they are smarter than consumers. They think that politicians know everything better, what is good for you and what is bad for you. And today, of course, people like Joe Biden, they don't call themselves socialists. Bernie Sanders calls, calls himself a socialist. Joe Biden does not. But in reality, their ideology, that they think that the um, politicians should tell you uh, what what to produce or how much to charge. This is a kind of socialism. This is a new version of socialism. This is one thing. And the other thing, this is what I wrote in my book, uh, In Defense of Capitalism. But there's another thing. This is in my book, uh, Unbreakable Spirit. There's today this so-called woke ideology that everyone want to feel as a victim, this I call mm. this the victimhood mentality. Yeah. I'm a victim of capitalism. If I don't succeed in life, I'm a victim of racism or sexism and so on. So this means making people helpless, telling them that there are victims. And I, I, I think, no, you are the master of your life. You are the shaper of your own destiny. And I prove this with the examples of very successful disabled people in my book, Unbreakable Spirit. I give you one example. I spoke with Eric Weinmeier, who is an American, and he was the first blind American to climb the Mount Everest. Imagine, he was blind, and he climbed not only the Mount Everest, but the seven summits, the seven highest mountains on seven continents. And he never felt as a, as a victim. Or I'll give you another example. I write in my book about him. Uh, maybe, I, maybe you can guess who he is. I will, I will tell you already in, in short some sentences about him. This is a man, an American also, born in 1930, and, and he was black. What, of course, was a much bigger problem in 1930 than is today in the United States. He was black, and he was born in one of the poorest neighborhoods of his hometown. He never met his father. His mother died when she was only 31 years old. His brother died in front of his eyes when he was six years old, and he became blind with seven years. Do you know uh, about whom I speak? No. You know his name is Ray Charles. Oh, my and gosh. According to, according, <laughs> yes, Absolutely. and according to the, to, to the official list from, from Billboard, Ray Charles was the most successful male singer in history, more sure. than even John Lennon or Bob Dylan. And he never felt himself as a victim, or he never had shared this victim mentality. Right. Of course, succeeding, he had also kind of succeeding in spite uh, of of the uh, the challenges he faced. Uh, Professor, I want you to stand by for just a second, Dr. Rainier. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause, and when we come back, I'd like you to uh, finish up your thought and also tell us a little bit about... Uh, your book on Hitler's National Socialism. Folks, we're on with the the good doctor, Rainier Zeitelman, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation with historian and sociologist Rainier Zeidelman. He's the author of several books. His current book, Unbreakable Spirit, Rising Above All Odds. You can get a copy of that on Amazon. Uh, but I also wanted to, in uh, light of the um, um, National Holocaust Remembrance Day coming up this weekend, I wanted to uh, uh, hear a little bit about uh, another one of his books, Hitler's National Socialism. And Dr. Zeidelman, tell us about it. Yes, this was the first book to analyze all uh, thousands of speeches of Hitler, his two books, and his secret so-called table talks, his conversations in his inner circle, to find out what did he think, what was, what was his ideology, and especially what did he think about capitalism, socialism. And uh, the result was that he was much more socialist than, than people think. Leftists tell us that Hitler was a kind of lackey of uh, capitalism or that capitalists brought him to power, but this is wrong. He saw himself as a socialist. And even uh, what comes to a surprise, maybe, but it's proved by evidence that he admired even Stalin uh, and he admired the planned economy in the Soviet Union. He thought that the Soviet Union is, uh, uh, and the planned economy is much more successful than capitalism. And he planned to restructure the German economy step by step into a planned economy. And so this is maybe a surprise for a lot of people, but it's proved by evidence. And by the way, it was my, uh, I have two PhDs and this was my uh, first doctoral dissertation and it was awarded with the best grade you can get summa cum laude. So it's a scientific book. But I think it's very important to understand um, more about national socialism, that it was also kind of socialism. Now, you only have two PhDs? That's it? Just two? Pardon? (laughs) I'm busting your chops. That's that's more than most uh, PhDs that come on the program. Uh, And uh, it seems (laughs) like a really interesting read. Uh, I want to thank you for your time, Dr. Zeidelman. Uh, it's really been an eye-opening experience to have this conversation with you. I could probably talk to you for another hour or so, but our time has come to an end. Folks, get a copy of the book, Unbreakable Spirit, Rising Above All Odds. Uh, he breaks down how this whole thing works, uh, not only in his other books, In Defense of Capitalism and Hitler's National Socialism, but uh, overall, the the understanding that we we will fall victim to socialism again if we don't know, right? The old saying, uh, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. So get a copy of the book, get two, one for yourself, one to give away. Uh, Dr. Zeidelman, I want to thank you again for your time. How do people find you? Are you on uh, social media, Twitter? Yes, I am, but they they shouldn't find me. They should find my books and they can get it on Amazon. Outstanding. Great, great plug. All right, Doc, I appreciate it. Folks, straight ahead, we're going to continue the conversation. Why is Joe Biden losing the minority vote? We'll talk about that. And did he just get a endorsement, an endorsement, I should say, from a rapper? We'll see what's going on with that as well. We're going to check in with our buddy Brandon Bryce, scheduled to join us. And, of course, your calls and more coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez on America at Night.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. So Governor Tim Walz, a Democrat from Minnesota, he was on The Morning Joke today on MSNBC saying Republicans offer chaos and negativity, doom and gloom, an American apocalypse. And I thought to myself, is that really what Republicans are offering? Because I think most people, most people that I see, and again, maybe I live in a, a Republican bastion. No, I live in Jersey, right? I grew up in Brooklyn. I live in Jersey. It, it, you can't find Republicans around here if you tried. And I, I don't think he, there's anybody here that thinks Republicans are offering chaos, negativity, doom, gloom, and apocalypse. I mean, this is just uh, unfounded rhetoric. Clearly. Listen to this. But look, with the Trump people out there and, and the Republicans rooting for failure, they will never say something's working. They will. We, we talk about job growth. Oh, it's bad or, or something like that. I think this general sense of they don't want the chaos and they want a positive vision for the future. And I think that's now as we pivot and we start to see the, you know, this uh, general election shape up to be the binary choice we've all been talking about is it's going to do you want chaos, negativity, doom and gloom, you know, American apocalypse. Or do you truly want to say what Joe Biden said? This is the United States of America. There's nothing we can't do. And yeah. I think this idea of building the economy out, creating jobs, coming and announcing a bridge project, the largest one we've seen in the Northland uh, in history, those are exciting things. And I think those are what people are talking about is they want to feel more secure both in their finances. They want to feel more secure in terms of how their politics is working. So you've got Governor Tim Walls here. Uh, and again, it sounds smooth and polished. Anything kind of sounds smooth and polished when nobody's interrupting you and there's nobody there to quote unquote fact check you. Right. Um, I don't have the entirety of this, but I can pretty much guarantee you they did not have somebody from the Trump camp on the line uh, or even a clip of their audio to say, uh, you know, here's what they're offering. Here's what's going on. It's a one sided conversation. And, and all I could say is, look, somebody once told me that I was chaotic. Catastrophic, literally. And I, I didn't like that. I honestly didn't. I, I don't think I'm either one, honestly. Uh, I think I'm, I'm passionate. There's probably not a day in the world that I wake up and I am dispassionate about something. Uh, but there is a few things that I am dispassionate about. But for the most part, I'm a pretty passionate guy. I have a lot of emotion. I've got a lot of zeal for a lot of things. And, and I, I don't think I'm chaotic. I don't think Republicans in this case uh, are chaotic either. I think the real chaos here is at the border. When you look at the border and you see what's going on, when you see that the Harvard-Harris poll that came out on Monday, that's two nights ago, and the number one concern to Americans that took this survey is the border, saying that it's, we're not safe as a country. National security is under threat. That is not a Republican chaos problem. That's a Democrat chaos problem. It's a Joe Biden problem. Joe Biden is a loser. Alejandro Mayorkas is a loser. These guys are destroying America and they're doing it one illegal immigrant at a time. Breaking up families, allowing human trafficking, allowing fentanyl to go unchecked, allowing our national security to be uh, put at risk. This has to stop. That's the doom and gloom. That is the American apocalypse. That's the chaos. That's the negativity. 
Republicans are simply offering a solution. Republicans are simply saying, hey, we've got to put an end to that. We've got to shut the border down. We've got to close the border, secure the border. Trump goes a step further and says, we've got to build a wall. Greg Abbott goes a step further and he says, we've got to put up some razor wire. Then the Supreme Court says, absolutely not. No can do. And then they do it again. That's what's going on. You tell me, where's the chaos here? Definitely not coming from Republicans. Right. The, the most chaotic thing Republicans are doing is saying, look, we need a balanced budget and we're willing to oust the speaker and we're willing to shut the government down until we can get an actual budget, something we haven't had done in decades. Thanks to many in the Republican Party and mainly the Democrats. This idea that Republicans offer chaos, negativity, doom and gloom, uh, an American apocalypse is not just a falsehood and, and a political miscalculation, in my opinion. But it's just outright lunacy. And I think most people realize that. Most people realize that what Governor Tim Walz is saying is, is not accurate. Now, I will go out on a limb and say if you're north of 50 years old and maybe you're already retired and you um, were an anti-war Vietnam protester and you, you never met a baby that you don't think should be executed in the womb and those are your, your proclivities, then you probably hear something like this. And you probably say, yeah, I agree with government. Republicans are chaotic. They're just trying to tell women what to do with their bodies. And they're offering negativity, doom, gloom, and chaos. But that's already built into your outlook. That's already built into who you are. You're designed to hate. That's just not what's happening. That's what they're creating. That's what they see. You can't win those votes. You got to work around them and keep going to people who are actually willing to have a conversation, right? There's an old saying that says, never get into a battle of wits with an unarmed man. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, amigos, welcome back. And uh, let's hit the phones, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to South Charleston, West Virginia, WCHS, and check in with Rodney. Hey, Rodney, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Enjoy your program, sir. Um, I Thank can't you. understand. I can't understand why President Biden isn't being, is not being impeached. 
for the illegal immigration. Um, and uh, I do know that what they do uh, when the Ill- illegals get into the country, they set them up. And uh, they're even trying to give them citizenship, may have in some cases, but they vote Democrats. I'm an independent myself. Uh, the, I don't I don't understand how how the Congress or the the government uh, can let this go on and on and on. Uh, and listen to this, done. Rodney. Imagine if I were to tell you I don't understand how you've got gangs of teenagers in many cases going into big box retailers, going into uh, Walgreens, CVS, these big retail pharmacies, um, stealing everything they can find. Sometimes they even break windows and loot during the daytime while there are people in there. They just grab sneakers. They grab whatever they want. They run. I don't understand how the police just let this happen. How is it that these people are not in jail? It's ex- exactly what we're seeing in Washington, right? The police are not doing their job in these areas because you've got prosecutors that won't allow anything to stick. So a cop that slaps the handcuffs on a bad guy brings him to the station. The station is uh, the superior there the sergeant, whomever it is going to say, cut him loose. We're not charging him because the prosecutor is the one that charges the crime and won't do it. So you've got Republicans that have a majority in Congress and they're saying, you know, a handful of them are saying like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others saying, Hey, let's impeach him. Let's impeach him. Let's impeach him. And everybody wants to go impeaching. And then you've got others that are not so willing to impeach because this is, you know, the, 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 the highest, most important function that the House of Representatives has. And more importantly, even if they did bring uh, an impeachment, which, again, they're in an inquiry now, it would go to the Senate where it's 100 percent never, ever, ever going to happen. And it's not going to happen because you've got an idiot like uh, Chuck Schumer. You've got another idiot like Mitch Turtle uh, McConnell. And when you got these people there, nothing's going to happen. They're part of the problem, right? We should impeach them too, and that's not going to happen. So it almost becomes a catch-22 where they're not going to waste their time and even bring this impeachment. Now, I say you've got to, for the sake of theater, for the sake of you and me and the American people that are watching, you've got to say, hey, look, I'm coming at these guys. Whether I win or not, I'm taking a swing. And that's what uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and a couple other congressmen that we've had on this program Uh, That's what they've done, but they don't have the support amongst their own colleagues. And that's that's a that's a shame. Now, listen, the the impeachment inquiry we have is over uh, President Biden allegedly knowing exactly what was going on as vice president and still somehow meddling in these affairs, getting loans, getting money, getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden and his nefarious business dealings, which are suspected to be Biden's business dealings with Hunter Biden just being the front man collecting the money. And while that's egregious, I think most Americans expect politicians to bribe people. They expect politicians to do shady things. And I think that's why people just are like, eh, more of the same. I I agree with you that they should just, you know, whoever has the ability to do so, right? We use the audio uh, platform here, but those that have video platforms, they need to play on loop this video of, you know, these young men coming from Senegal, young men coming from China, young men coming from uh, the Middle East, looking like they're uh, sleeper cells, like they're coming here to do something other than work. That's what they need to show these people coming across the border and, and invading the country. 
And I think people will eventually see that, and they are, because we're looking at the New York Post article from two nights ago, and it says that the number one concern, immigration just surpassed inflation as the number one concern for uh, voters that took the Harvard-Harris poll. So I think the message is working. We have to keep beating the drum. And once it becomes the popular thing to say, look, no mas, can't do it anymore. Just can't do it. We can't extend any more courtesy to any more people that want to come into this country because we're doing it uh, at our own detriment. Then, yes, public support is on your side and you can make a move. But until then, you're screwed. And I think that's the problem that we face. And that's the problem that they face in Washington where they just don't have enough support. So they go along to get along. Hence the term spineless Republicans, right? And, uh, and swamp creatures and Democrats and all the other names that we have for these people. But that's sadly the case. Um, hopefully that made some sense. And I'm with you. We should, uh, we should have Biden impeached just for his dereliction of duty at the border. Punto y final, right? Period. The end. Rodney in South Charleston, West Virginia, listening on WCHS. Big shout out to everybody on WCHS. Uh, always appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-4237. 833 833- for Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're just talking about how dirty Joe Biden is or suspected of being dirty for bribery and all the other stuff he's doing. And meanwhile, there's uh, other cases of bribery going on. And one of them is coming from a leaked recording, uh, recording, I know how to read, uh, leaked recording offering a job and asking a current U.S. Senate candidate, Carrie Lake, to uh, name a price that would keep her out of politics. So there you have it, the deep state. And this is coming from the chairman of the Republican Party in Arizona, Jeff DeWitt. And he resigned uh, today after he could be heard in this leaked recording offering a job uh, to Carrie Lake saying, look, we'll get you a job. Tell me what you got to make. What do I got to do to shut you up and keep you out of politics? Y- you've got to love that. You've got to love that. And I love the fact that it was a Republican that they brought down in this little sting because I don't really have a dog in this fight. And a lot of people think, oh, you and your Republican right wing. I'm not right wing. I don't like Nazis. Uh, I've never liked a Nazi in my life. Um, I, 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 I've never, I do believe that the Confederate flag is a traitorous rag. I do. Um, I, I will defend people's right to, to have statues of General Lee, uh, to wave that flag. That's their right. I believe in free speech. I don't fly. Um, I don't fly the, the rebel flag. I don't. I don't I don't support this, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's clear, right? It's clear. My, my position on this is clear. And um, if the Democrat Party tomorrow is the party that's more conservative and and more aligned with uh, my worldview, my faith and, and my shortcomings in life. Super great. Uh, I'll go with them until then. 
That's where I am. I'm with the more conservative of the two parties is the Republican Party. But now, and I'm not trying to make myself out to be a priest. You know, I'm a wildcat. You got to see me in the nightclubs on the weekends. But my point here is that it's great to shed light, right? They say daylight is the best disinfectant. And whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, we're now seeing exactly what's going on. It's not the Democrats that are trying to push Carrie Lake out of politics. It's the Republicans, or at least this one Republican, the chairman, Jeff DeWitt, who resigned today after he was embarrassed by being on this audio. Listen to this. Is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. Let me go right back to what you're doing. Mm-mm. No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone, I can't think of a single person in a federal race who've lost, ran in and won. I can't think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I am not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. Amen to that. And uh, God bless you, Carrie Lake, for standing up for your principles. And, you know, I can tell you, I work in radio. I don't work in TV. I'm on TV every now and again, but I don't work in TV. People in TV make a whole lot more money. A whole lot more money. And I got to say, it, it, it it's a different gig, right? It, when I cough, I have a button called a cough button. There is no cough button on TV. I can also show up to work without shaving. And you can't do that on TV. <laughs> so uh, there, there there's a lot of upkeep on TV. I get that. And Carrie Lake was on TV for something like almost 30 years. And she was good at her job. And she was making really good coin. And she got out of that to write books, give speeches, shake hands, kiss babies, and try and, and make her state better. Uh, I got to tell you, a good gig is a good gig. When you've been doing the same thing for 20-some-odd years, almost 30, I think 28 years she was on TV or something like that, you get better at it. right? It's like that old saying, it doesn't get easier, but it's like the gym. You get stronger, so the weight doesn't feel as heavy. And... And that that's what was happening with Carrie Lake. She was in a good position. I think she had a seven-figure contract. Just imagine somebody getting paid more than a million dollars to talk about the news on television every night. Not a bad gig, especially if you're good at it. And she's a great communicator. So what gives? Why? Because she cares. Same as Trump, who lost close to a half a billion dollars or a billion dollars in his four years of being president. Some people give a damn about this country. Some people care about their neighbor. Some people want to leave their children a better America than the one we have today. And there's no amount of money in the world that's going to get these people to compromise their values and turn their back on their own country. That's bottom line. Anyway, we'll continue that discussion and get your reaction to this leaked audio Uh, Plus, there's more leaked uh, information from this Senate immigration deal. Wait till you hear about that. And uh, I'm going to get your reactions on that as well. The phone number 833-482-5337. 833-482-5337. 
for Valdez. Make sure you call in now. It's going to be a very busy open phone America. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, happy to be here with you Wednesday night, hour number three, open phone, America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number if you want to weigh in. And we've seen a bunch of things happen tonight, right? We saw this um, this bribe by a Republican official, the highest-ranking Republican in Arizona, I forget his name. Let me see if I can pull it back up here. Uh, Jeff DeWitt. Uh, He's resigned as chairman of the Arizona Republican Party after getting caught on audio trying to bribe Carrie Lake to get out of politics for a couple of years. Uh, If you didn't hear that audio, I'll I'll play it again uh, in the next segment. But that was the story there. And that wasn't the only uh, situation that we've seen with leaked uh, information right there's also some leaked uh deals on a proposal for the border uh senate republicans are sounding off on this leaked border deal uh saying they will absolutely not vote for this and good for them at least you know the handful of real conservatives that are in there you got a a number of senate republicans extremely concerned with the ongoing border deal and this is in uh today's daily uh caller with this ongoing negotiation that they're having with the white house <clears throat> and now there's a number of leaked uh, uh, tidbits of this proposal, and they're saying, we're not voting. Absolutely not. According to the sources engaged in this border bailout, the proposals go way, way beyond the already reported leaks. The uh, current framework under consideration would drastically change U.S. immigration law in the United States, and that's uh, according to um, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. Utah Senator Mike Lee and Texas Senator Ted Cruz. They all spoke with the Daily Caller about what they have heard and what's going on with these negotiations and, in particular, their reaction to the leaked aspects of the proposal. Listen to some of what's going on here, right? Uh, They want to legally establish 5,000 illegal aliens per day entering the country as uh, the new norm. 5,000 a day, no problem, requiring that this crisis hit that number before the president could invoke Title 42 authority ever again. Isn't that crazy? Trying to limit it to just a million a year with Title 42. Uh, This is just unheard of crazy. Uh, They want to provide amnesty to documented dreamers, uh, which would um, pretty much handle 250,000 people whose parents Uh, replaced American workers under the uh, H-1B guest worker program. Next up, 
They want to keep the mass parole program in place, provided that illegal immigrants enter through uh, American airports and not at the border. I mean, it's, it's a legitimate free-for-all. Let me just stop right there. I recently went to Colombia, right? I, w- I went to Medellin. And great time, by the way. Beautiful country. But I've never waited online so long to get into anything. <laughs> they had me online for 40 minutes, maybe. And um, I, I didn't get asked a lot of questions. But a lot of people ahead of me online were getting asked a ton of questions. Where are you going? Where are you staying? What's the address? Um, and, and they were like, I'm staying at a whatever hotel. And they're like, oh, what's the address at a hotel? Let me see your reservations. I mean, they're, they're, they're extremely intent on knowing that you are leaving their country. Like, you can come, do all the tourism you like, but you got to go. And here, our country is saying, yeah, no, no, don't even come through the board. Just come straight to an airport, please. <laughs> just come right in. I mean, it's just absolutely insane to me. They want to give out work permits in a faster fashion um, with uh, the use of asylum uh, or asylum fraud, as they're saying here, ending the 180-day waiting period. So you got to wait six months after you claim asylum to get a work permit. Um then they want to expand the uh, the network of free benefits like legal services for for um, illegal aliens that just crossed the border, adding to obviously the already burdened taxpayer. Uh, talking about just that alone would be hundreds of billions of dollars per year. Then they want to funnel billions of dollars to the corrupt uh, non governmental organizations, NGOs that profit off the border crisis, like the ones that provide transportation, lodging. Um, transitional housing, et cetera, every single day. Many of these are disguised as charities, but they're making a fortune off of grants. Uh, Senator Lee introduced a resolution today that would force a public debate uh, amongst the Republicans on this border deal before it could even be voted on in order for members to really understand what's in the package. And it's picked up some support from nine other members of uh, the uh, Republican conference in the Senate. I got to tell you, that's I think every Republican, I think every Democrat, right? Every every member of Congress should should agree with the idea that we should debate this before uh, you bring it up for a vote. And um, the idea behind it, Lee says, uh, the they they just want to make sure that this thing doesn't get rushed. These ongoing conversations that have been going on privately for months, once they culminate, the theory is that something like this can actually happen. And if you rush to get it done and rush to get it to the floor, there might be a sort of a wave of unfettered uh, exuberance over the fact that the deal has been reached by those few involved in the discussions. Not everybody, uh, you know, kind of writ large over here. And uh, there are provisions that he's saying that they have to, to put into place and they're very concerned about. So Mike Lee is on it and thank God he is. But where does that leave us, the American people? Right. I feel like we're going to get stuck here. So he goes on talking about the uh, 5,000 per day. This is one of the many things that has uh, Senator Lee concerned. He's saying now there's a thousand ways that this could be written. But what the proponents of the bill are saying, they want this uh, to be a, a new Title 42 like tool that would allow them the flexibility to shut down illegal immigration on the southern border anytime it exceeds 5,000 a day. But as long as you're under 5,000 a day, keep the spigot open and keep the people flowing. That's crazy. Now, 
The part about being able to shut down illegal immigration sounds great, of course, but he says, but why 5,000 a day? Especially when the Border Patrol has told us they can process only about 500 per day. So why set the threshold for this new authority so high? Ten times more than what they can actually handle? I think he raises an excellent point. So it seems very problematic. It's a quote from Mike Lee. He says, it seems very problematic to me. We, we're, we keep being told, oh, but you haven't seen the whole thing, so don't criticize it. But what we're talking about are the things that we have seen and we have heard. Only the things that we've heard just give us cause for alarm, like these work permits. If you come in and you apply for asylum and then you're released out there, right now you give them work permits. Lee said, now, I don't think that they should be doing that. I think they should uh, shut down the whole asylum process as soon as they're getting more than they can handle. If you can only handle uh, 500 a day, that's what you do. Because you have to detain them until their claims are adjudicated. And he says, we know that 90 to 99% of them are ultimately found ineligible for asylum. But right now, they just release them right into the interior of the country, into the public. And they buy them a plane ticket. And then after six months, they're given a work permit so that they can work for the next 10 years while they're here, while they wait for their asylum uh, immigration hearings. It's a it's a hustle. And and they're trying to make it even more of a hustle. So uh, we'll continue our conversation on that, as well as everything else we talked about. We talked about a fascinating conversation, very fascinating with um, uh, the professor Zeitelman from uh, Germany and he was talking about socialism and we were talking about Hitler a little bit um, as we um, are talking about international Holocaust remembrance day. It's this weekend. We're having that conversation today. And it, it was a very interesting conversation in that he was saying that Americans are slowly, but surely embracing socialism. And I can't help but think that this is a part of it where we're just like, yeah, open up the borders, erase, you know, whatever limitation we have on things. Government is now, uh, the, the main the main actor right and it's it's like the world economic forums uh wet dream if you will they they, they would love this they're they're doing the work of of the elite at the cost of the taxpayer insanity at its best folks we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead 833-482-5337-833-4 valdez this is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. No care and live on the air. It's Rich Valdez. Call now 833-4 Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. I want to get your thoughts on what's going on. Uh, let's go to Rod in Wichita, Kansas, KQAM. Rod, go right ahead. 
Hi, Rock, uh, Rich. Let me turn my radio down. Sure. Yeah, did I hear you say that you uh, don't consider yourself a right winger? That you're not a Nazi or something to that effect? Yeah, I said. I said that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I said I, I'm a conservative, and uh, it, it, to me, it's uh, conservatives are not really uh, part of the left-right spectrum. It, it's uh, it's a uh, it's an ideology, right? It's a it's a way of thinking. It's a way of seeing the world, and it's largely based in one's worldview for me it's based on my faith and b it's based on the constitution right so uh, we could dare call me a constitutional conservative now um if your question is do i believe that right-wingers are nazis no <laughs> i do believe that you're going to be hard-pressed to find nazis in the left wing yes you will be uh, they all live on the right and and i you know I, I worked with a very popular conservative talk show host for several years Mark Levin, and it was never the left calling saying that he was um, a dirty Jew, this, that, and whatever, uh, making disparaging anti-Semitic comments. It was always people uh, that were on the right. And and lamentably, you know, David Duke, he doesn't identify as a Democrat. He doesn't identify as a left-winger. Uh, he, you know, he, he conceals himself, and those like him, they conceal themselves in uh, with uh, on the right side of the political spectrum. So that was what my comment was. Well, do you would you agree that socialism is uh, is not a right wing ideology? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, left wing policy. Uh, it's a, it's a Marxist idea, and and Marx and most of his cronies live uh, on the left. But what was interesting um, was what, what the professor was talking about. How he was saying how far to the left Hitler was in his analysis which was a Ph.D. dissertation that he'd written. My comments come from today, right, modern-day um, politics, where there are still people, um, Rod, uh, and I can tell you that there's a lot of people who don't make it on the radio, right? That's the reason we have uh, call screeners. And, and some of these people, they're, they're very, they're honest, and they believe in certain things, and I've had people call me, and they, and they, they, they hate my guts because I say, that I, I don't like the rebel flag, and I'm happy if you want to have one, go for it, you know? Good for you. It's not my thing. I, I think Lincoln did the right thing in holding the country together. I think the country should stay together. The same way when people call me and tell me, I don't know, Rich, I think we're headed to a civil war. Is it the Democrats and this and that, blah, blah, blah. We're too much polarized and blah, blah, blah. That, that to me is not an excuse for us to one day wake up and say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to hate my neighbor tomorrow. I, I try my best every day to be the best Christian I can be. And most days I fail. I'd say probably every day I fail. I'm not a good Christian. But I know the rules. And uh, the rules that, that Jesus left for us to follow are, are to love our neighbor, right? To love God and love our neighbor, love God and love people. And, and if that's what I'm called to do as, as a, the, the, the two biggest commandments in the New Testament, and if that's the worldview that I espouse, then I can't sit here and say, oh, my gosh, I don't like your politics. I don't like your position on abortion. I don't like whatever, and I've got to hate you. I just can't do it. I can only disagree with you. We can have the debate. We can have the discussion, but I don't want to have a war with you. I'm not going to say things like I can't live in a country with people like you. I just can't because I've always lived in a country with people like that. And, and that's really what I was talking about was I, I'm, I am a conservative person from New York, New Jersey. Good luck finding people here. Usually I make the joke when I see a fellow conservative or a fellow Republican, Rod, I usually go, oh, look, we're having a convention. 
you know, because there's so few in this area. It's, it's unheard of. So that was really what my point was. Uh, agree. Uh, Nazism is a contraction for national socialism. Yeah. Then there's the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. Mm-hmm. Marxism, fascism, democracy are all left wing. You think of it as a spectrum of too much government, and then on the other side is no government or anarchy. Right. Anarchy. Yeah. And again, even them. Right. The. Uh Antifa, the anti-fascist um, terrorists, if you will, domestic terrorists, even international terrorists, they they fancy themselves as um, as anti-fascists, but in reality, um, they're probably the the most violent amongst those on the left, and they espouse those those left-wing ideas. The media will try to portray them as as um, a construct of fascism and saying that fascism is a right-wing ideology, I would disagree. And I'm not saying that the ideology of the Nazis is a right-wing ideology either. All I'm saying is in the modern um, left-right political spectrum in the United States, those that are proud to call themselves Nazis, those that call programs like mine and others and say, you know, the problem with America is that is the... the America's turning more brown by the year, or by the day, or by the minute, right? These people where, where they, they feel that a, a white European nationalism is the, the only way to succeed in this country and that multiculturalism has destroyed this country, this is obviously a place where I'm going to um, <clears throat> take umbrage and, and uh, I take exception to that idea because <clears throat> I'm brown, right? <laughs> if that were the case, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't exist. So I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of uh, people that are of color um, that contribute to society and are just as American as the next. And, and that's just my, my belief. And I think some people disagree with me on it and others don't. That's fine. I'm always happy to have the conversation. But the, the, the crux of what I was saying was uh, I've never met a, a modern-day neo-Nazi that identified as a left-winger that was a socialist. They're typically... Uh, so far to the right that they're about to fall off that spectrum, right, and and head towards anarchy, if that makes any sense, Rod. Yeah, it's more like a circle rather than a spectrum. And you know who says that, too? Um, Dr. Thomas Sowell. And it was brilliant. He says it so much better than either of us could. But he said something along the lines of that the left um, loves this idea of becoming so granular with their idea that I'm a... I'm an American. No, I'm a black American. I'm an Indian American. I'm a, what, a Hispanic American. I'm a Hispanic American that's straight. I'm a Hispanic American that's straight and a Christian. And the more modifiers you put on that, you become so unique that you're, you end up on the other side, <laughs> right? You, you, you're no longer part of anything. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Rod, thanks for the call. The music means we got to go. Big shout out to KQAM. America, don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Three. 
833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. There are about 800 gotaways at the border every day, 96,000 since October 1st. Does President Biden want to locate these folks who have disappeared into this country to parts unknown? So here's what I will say is that um, the president, one of the reasons that the president is having these negotiation procedures or process with the Senate, uh, with both Republicans uh, and Democrats, as I've said many times before, is because we want to deal with what's going on at the border. He's taken this very seriously. Um, he's, uh, he wants to make sure that we come up with a bipartisan agreement. And we are very uh, appreciative uh, for that. But there's also the diplomatic aspect of it, of making sure that we're having uh, conversations with Mexico, and we have had, and we've had productive conversations with them. And DHS is maximizing. They are maximizing its enforcement efforts. And since May 12th, and you've heard me say this as well, DHS has been able to return more than 482,000 individuals uh, who did not have the legal basis uh, to be here. So we're doing what we can right at the border. DHS is doing maximizing their process, doing what they can at the border. But we need help, right? We need Congress to actually act. We need Congress to actually act. And that's the classic, um, classic political football, right? Where, no, 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 it's, it's not the executive branch that actually runs the border doing anything. No, we need Congress to make laws saying it's illegal. Oh, wait. There are laws that say it's illegal. I want to get your thoughts on this. If you disagree, you get moved right to the front of the line. Let's go to David calling from San Francisco, listening to Rich Valdez, America at night.com. David, rumor has it that you disagree with me. What's on your mind? Oh, I disagreed with you a couple of weeks ago when uh, when I warned you that the uh, dumb Texan Congressman Troy Ayers uh, blabbed out that the GOP, the Republicans, have no intention of solving the immigration issue because they want to make Biden look bad. And what makes it worse is their... Uh, well, let's their... stop right there. And let me, what is it that Republicans can do today that would stop the border crisis? And isn't Biden making himself look bad, David? Well, the the duty of the House of Representatives is to put together a budget. And so just a week ago, the uh, House and Senate uh, were in negotiations about this. And Biden put together, I believe it was uh, three quarters of a billion dollars uh, for some of this tracking uh, uh, issue. And the Republicans refused uh, to sign on to it. So they, again, they want to do the government shutdown based upon the border, and the government shutdown would ruin America's credit rating. And so the Republicans want, apparently, to ruin America's credit rating, and they're just using the border as an excuse. Now, that's a lot of steps. I mean, I think it it kind of ignores the obvious, the painfully obvious, which is that We had a Republican president, and during the time that we had a Republican president, we didn't ruin America's credit rating, right? That's a a fact. Uh, When we had a Republican president, our numbers on gotaways and on people admitted into the country was much less. When we had a Republican president, we enacted something called 
MPP, Migrant Protection Protocols, also known as the Remain in Mexico policy. And we drastically saw a change in what we saw from the previous administration, which was a Democrat, Barack Obama. So Trump's policies reduced the amount of traffic at the border and then the use of Title 42 during the um, uh, COVID era pretty much brought it down to a halt. And I think most people think that was a very good thing. But now we have Biden, who when Trump was there, he wasn't blaming Congress. He was taking action. Now Biden's there and he's not taking action. Uh, or I should say the action he's taking is leading to bigger problems and more people coming across the border. So ultimately, the, the question becomes, it doesn't matter what anybody in Congress says. I, I would say the same thing. Let's let Biden make himself look bad because ultimately... He's the one that's in charge of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. He is the one that oversees the executive branch, which happens to include the Department of Homeland Security, uh, USICS, Customs, all of that. Right. So it is the responsibility of the executive branch of the federal government to protect the border. It's not the responsibility of Congress to do that. David. It's uh, the Congress's uh, budget is how the president works. I can't hear right? you. And again, you you must be say that again, David. I couldn't hear you. Uh, the president has to work on the budget that Congress puts forth, right? No, he has to so sign it or not sign it. Congress and the Congress has not done a budget yet, right? David, are, I, I, now we have to level with each other. Hold on a second. I'm telling you that people are coming in record number across the border. In the southern part of the United States. And you're telling me that Congress has to make a budget. Do, do you see how that doesn't connect? People are not coming across the border because Congress has a responsibility to to to, to create a budget. Build a budget and then Biden has to build. Biden has to pay for his uh, programs through the budget. Right. Are you that dumb? <laughs> so are you saying uh are you saying to me that that the Republicans are not allowing Biden the money that he needs to secure the border? Yes. Why isn't Biden saying that? Uh, they did say that. And they said it half a dozen times in the last week. And the idea that they refused to to allow Biden. Well, let me ask you, let's figure out which one of us is really dumb here. So Biden has the same amount, if not more. Boots on the ground at the border, right? Uh, he's got the same Department of Homeland Security. He's got the same Customs and Border Patrol. He's got the same um, uh, USICS. He's got all the same people, if not more, that he's brought on. What is it that Biden can't do that Trump did, right? Trump was able to secure the border with, with what Biden has. I, I don't see how... You can make this case or anybody could make the case that they need more money. Why would you need more money when you have these people there? The, the issue's never been money. The issue has been from the mouths of the Border Patrol agents themselves. Their union president has been on this program saying that they have been turned from border agents to travel agents, that they're no longer stopping people from the border. There's video that abounds from independent journalists that have been to the border showing them opening doors inside of these fences, allowing people to come right through. They're buying them plane tickets. They're giving them a debit card. They're giving them an Obama cell phone and they're sending them on their way. This is clearly a transactional approach to what's happening at the border. There's not 
anything being done to stop it. So if they're asking for more money, it's so that they can do more of what they're doing, giving out more cell phones, buying more plane tickets in the middle of the night to God knows where and dropping people off in New York City. None of these things happened before. And I know you you really want to win this this debate or this argument and, and make it sound like you're the smart one and I'm not. But but the reality is the truth is the truth. And when you have 10 and 12,000 people a day coming through a border, this has nothing to do with the money. This has everything to do with the policy. And that's squarely on Joe Biden's shoulders. David, like always, I thank you. Uh, I've got to take a pause here, but big shout out to everybody listening uh, in San Francisco and everybody that disagrees with me. I'll be getting to the rest of you straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. to the phones we go 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ let's check in with Ed he's in Eugene, Oregon on KUGN Ed, go right ahead you're on with Rich Valdez yeah, Rich I just had an idea I'd like to put it on the table go for it yeah, I on the a fellow called in last about in the last hour and was kind of getting around to wanting to know why they're uh, allowing this in the current administration, why they're allowing this uh, increase in and the huge amount of uh, people coming in. And at the border? Just real quick, want it, what's that? You're saying the, people yes, coming in at the border? Yes. Yeah, and what's and your response what to that? It, what, well, okay, here's here's some uh, an idea for you and for the uh, people listening. I have an article, and I'm from the state of Oregon, and uh, they are one of the first. Uh, I, this article is from the Capitol Press, which is the mm-hmm. capital of Oregon, and it's uh, uh, about a year and a half old. And what it is is they were saying Oregon House passes a bill expanding voter registration. They're going from the automobile registration, a guaranteed automatic vote. Yeah, and you know what? I think you're right. It's this guaranteed automatic vote that is getting a lot of people. Now, this becomes problematic because obviously if you're not a citizen, you're not allowed to vote. And to register in many places, you used to have to be able to provide your, uh, your citizenship in order to get a driver's license. And once you had a driver's license, then you were eligible to vote, right, to, to register at the DMV. Um, this is becoming challenged in a lot of areas where people are able to get, you know, a, 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 a driver's license uh, without being a citizen. And this is problematic because they can still register to vote. While it's illegal and it shouldn't happen and technically it can't happen, it literally can happen. And I'm sure that it's going to happen. And when you have a really left-leaning, uh, forward-thinking, as they would like to think, uh, places like New York City, where they say, look, these people are part of the community, and they should have a right to vote on their school board. So in 
in any election that's citywide, it doesn't matter if you're a citizen or not, you're allowed to vote for your school board. And if you're here legally or illegally, if you live in the city of New York, you can vote for the school, right? And they came up with this idea, and then uh, then they fought back against it, saying it goes against the New York State Constitution. And But my point is, it's something they want to do, and they've been trying to do. They've also been trying to lower the voting age from 18 to 16, because they know that it's easier to fool these young kids. And they're doing everything under the sun to permanently secure power. I agree with that, and I think you're spot on with that. And this is what they want. They want more, uh, more people. And clearly, if there's more people, they have a better opportunity. And it's not even a competitive thing because ultimately what happens is that if, if you want to figure in that there's any type of chicanery involved, then you don't really need to convince anybody to vote. You just go, oh, we've got 10,000 people that came in last year. That's 10,000 new voters that we could use. We could figure it out later. And I know that if you've ever heard me talk about politiqueras, Right. The politiqueras are, are typically women who sell votes in southern Texas. And this is a big industry and the FBI has arrested dozens of them. And it, it's uh, it's like selling drugs. You know, it's like saying drug dealers. It's an industry in in that part of the world. And some of them are so advanced that they literally have deals cut with mailmen that when they come and they drop off all the mail in ballots for a particular neighborhood, they will buy those ballots uh, or coerce the mailman or rob the mailman to get those ballots. And it's a very thing. And this has been going on for many years and it's documented everywhere. Nobody's really debating it, but it's something not everybody knows about these politiqueras. And I think what, in effect, what's happening is we're creating uh, the, this business of politiqueras and we're taking it nationwide. And that's problematic. Eugene, Oregon, big shout out to you guys. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Uh, let's let's see. Do we have time? Yeah, we do. Let's go to Rick. Rick is in Phoenix, Arizona, listening on KFNX. It's one of our newest affiliates. Rick, I'm glad you're listening to the show. What's up, my man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, can you hear me? Everybody hears you. Okay. Yeah, I just called in earlier to uh, you know let you know what I what I think about the whole thing uh, during Biden's. Inauguration, the swearing in, he had his hand on a Bible, like most presidents do. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was noted that it was his family Bible. And he swore to protect the citizens of the United States of America against all foreign and domestic enemies. Yeah. And then he opened the border. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're 100% right, man. This is a clear dereliction of duty, in my opinion. And again, the president is a civilian. That's how our thing works. I think, you know, if he weren't a civilian, he'd be eligible for a court-martial, for sure. And I think we could definitely um, use this against him for impeachment. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, the, the question that really arises is why we decided to go with corruption um, with with the Biden family crime business and the extortion and all that stuff, uh, the money laundering, you name it. Why Congress decided to go with that as opposed to this, which is so evident. Like why have to prove the case that your son collects the money and we have a laptop and, oh, it's not my laptop. Oh, it's Russian disinformation. Like that seems like so many hurdles to me. Why not just say, hello, Americans, look at what's happening at our border. And again, I mentioned this earlier. You never get into a battle of wits with an unarmed man. And I don't think that David in San Francisco is an unarmed man. 
But I do believe there's not a day of his life where there's breath in his lungs that he'll wake up and go, you know what? What's happening at the border? That's a problem. Biden made a mistake there. This guy's die hard, die hard. Whatever they say, he's with it. And, and that was clear in my conversation with him. Uh, I can tell you there's a lot going wrong at the border. But David thinks it's the Republicans' fault. They're trying to make him look bad. Biden is a saint. He's, he has no power. He's useless. And, and, and they're just, they're the bad guys. He's the victim. When you live with your head that far up wherever and, and you're afraid to see reality, that's what happens. You just become part of the problem and, and you keep promoting the lies of, of the, uh, the left. So, Rick, I think you're right. Biden has failed us when he swore to protect all citizens with his hand on his family Bible, he failed us. I want to thank you for listening on KFNX. Big shout out to everybody in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, yeah, anyway, um, a lot to talk about in Arizona. I wanted to get your reaction on this Kerry Lake stuff, but I got to take a pause. So coming right back, speed round, don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. at night with Rich Valdez. All right, it's the speed round. We got to keep it short and sweet. Let's go to Mike, Jamestown, New York, WJTN, New York in the building. Mike, go right ahead quickly. Yeah. Have you heard about uh, the Supreme Court in Texas? Okay. They're, they're brawling about authority of the, of the border there. Florida has jumped in to support Texas and also Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing with that, right? Uh, It was kind of what I was talking about before with David. Um, We we can't change the rules. Uh, I understand what Abbott is doing, and I'd probably do the same thing if I were governor there. Uh, But I know the consequence. And the reality is you do have a responsibility to your constituents in your state, but ultimately... The state, any state in this country, does not have any authority over immigration law. That's a federal jurisdictional matter, and that's who's in charge. His use of the National Guard, putting up the razor wire and all that, can easily be turned around by Biden saying, all right, I'm nationalizing your National Guard. They're now part of the Army. I'm the commander-in-chief. Stand down. Biden can do it. He's not doing it. Thankfully, uh, you know, he's not trying to shake things up. They went to court, but he might. And I think that's where that ends. Uh, It's a tricky and sticky situation, but ultimately uh, states don't have that right. It's called federalism, and that's one of those things that goes to the federal government. Uh, Frank in Cumberland, we're down to seconds. I hate to shortchange you. What's on your mind? Quickly, immigration. Ironic that we were uh, observing Holocaust Day while the people who were uh, Holocausted in the past are now doing their own Holocaust in Gaza. Yeah. And what's your thought on this? You don't think that the, the Hamas did a Holocaust on them on October 7th? I do. And I think that's why they were there. It wasn't like they invaded themselves on October 7th, Frank. Interesting. Sounds to me like you just don't like Jews. Call back. I'd like to have that conversation. Hasta la próxima. Good night, America. God bless. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.